Hey, Peter. Hey. How's your sound? Oh, my sound. My sound's okay. My yeah. vocabulary's better, to be honest. Your vocabulary's better than your sound? Yeah. We're going to enter this episode backwards. So please stick around so that this starts to make sense. John Lennon is a walrus. <laughs> I am Adam Manis. I'm Peter Martin. Uh, I am Madam Manis. <laughs> I am Sadowin. I'm trying to do my name backwards. I'm Redup Nitram. What is it? Redup Nitram. You've practiced that before. <laughs> well, I know. I know it. What is it? Redup Nitram. Redup Nitram. Redup. Peter. That's Redup. Nitram. Martin. Hi, I'm Redup Nitram. You never it. learned that as no, a child? I never have. Hold on. <laughs> You st- <laughs> I started out backwards. Okay, Caleb, I'm- do you know your? They, this is producer Caleb with producer Caleb Can. Look at him. <laughs> I told him I said be ready. What's, What's your name, name backwards? backwards? Belak Yebrick. Yeah, okay. Everybody knows their name backwards. Look, Adam's having to go pen pen to paper on this. I, so one. I'm Mada Madisonam. That doesn't sound. That sounds too close to your actual name. Madisonam. It's so close actually. <laughs> Madisonam. Is your name, uh, what does that call when the word is the same? Palindrome? Pal- oh, now that, that's something you know. Hannah, we all have- Hannah is a palindrome. I remember that book. Hannah is a palindrome. Say that seven times. Hannah is a palindrome. <laughs> Hannah is a palindrome. No, don't actually say it. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we just did this episode. <laughs> did we? I don't remember. <laughs> okay, for those of our dear listeners uh-huh. that um, have been around for a minute, know that occasionally, and by say, when I say occasionally, I mean more about, and more 70, often, <laughs> about 70% of the time. Um, we uh, have to do a redo because, and it's always fun. I wish you guys could see. We should do like an outtakes yeah. uh, thing sometime. Although the show sometimes feels like one big outtake. The whole show has been <laughs> a thousand episodes of outtake. Now I have to, un- un- because we're redoing this too. Oh, we got to do all the, the, the successful parts. Be like, hey, look at my new t-shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, so. let me see. Look at this. Check this out, everybody. Oh, Hans. That's a Hans Groiner branded t-shirt is that available via larry goldings for some, for reason? some reason i don't know why but larry, larry sells Instagram. these i guess he's a huge hans, hans groiner is the man hans groiner is the, i'm so i i lit up <laughs> this came yesterday and i just like i gotta wear this for the podcast right did it come directly from austria it did <laughs> they're selling it out of was austria. there you, you with the, like the customs thing you had to pay the tax down at the main post office downtown yeah and they actually you have to apply for one they demand a picture to make sure it goes on <laughs> no. uh big shout out to larry goldings um and uh, yeah, so what are we talking about today? First of all, we're brought to you by Open Studio. Go to OpenStudioJazz.com. We got some exciting things happening. We got some very, can, I, can we announce the 30-day? You know what? I'm not even going to announce it. I'm just going to drip just it out there. be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for 30 days. Live things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, today we're talking about, and I think I've actually brought up this video. Can we just watch the video? Yeah, let's watch this video. So this is a video that I found scrolling through the gram of the great Brantford Marcellus being interviewed. Um, That's not Brantford Marcellus. That is not Brantford, no. No. Um, but he's being interviewed by this guy, yes. who I believe is a, a um, works for, I think it was St. James Baptist Church or something in, something. in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky. Um, anyway, shout out to the church that produced this, because this is a brilliant 30 seconds from Brantford yeah, cool. about the difference between sound and vocabulary and the use of sound. So Let me see if I can brilliantly out. pull this off. I hope so. Here we go. Boom. What would be the difference between sound and vocabulary? Let's say you have an English professor who knows every word in the English dictionary, and then you put him on a stage to do Shakespeare. Or if you took him and just put him in the pulpit, and everybody's staring at him, waiting for him to give a stirring sermon, how's he going to fare? 
not very good because it ain't enough to know the words. You have to know how to deliver the words with a sound that's relative to the period. You have preachers who don't have a great vocabulary and they got people losing their minds because of the delivery. Sound creates the delivery. The thing that moves people, the thing that makes music, instrumental music, great to me is that the sound of an instrument can have an emotional effect on the listener. Data is just data. It's really a musician's problem. It's not a people problem. People are not going to go take harmony classes to appreciate you. Sad songs need to sound sad. Happy songs need to sound happy. It's like a real simple premise, but that's the hardest thing to do. It took a decade to learn how to do that, to just learn how to create emotion through sound. That's so good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, now I think I get it. So, full disclosure, we record the whole episode, almost the whole episode, watch this, and then we started getting into a violent disagreement. <laughs> Right. Well, it didn't get too violent. It was it was heading there. Yeah. Because I I think I have a like. There's a lot of layers to even though this is like 30 seconds. I know that's what I'm saying, man. It's very deep. What are you saying here? So I think that like the the part that's about the style of the sound. So like he starts out saying, you know, somebody who knows has a big vocabulary in the English language that can get up and do Shakespeare. Yeah. Apparently successfully, they're not going to be necessarily. Um, successful at getting up to the pulpit where you, he doesn't say the word improvise, but I think that's what he's in, implying, right? Where you have to have some improvisational flair, not just the data, as he says. Yeah. I love that data is just data. Data is just data. So to me, it's more the difference of like, if you talk about a joke writer versus a stand-up comedian. So mm. it's not even improvisation, but more performing. So mm. if you actually want to connect material to people, yeah. there is a there's a tip of the spear that actually is connecting to people or the conduit that actually reaches out to them. So there are comedians that are great joke writers. There are musicians who are great composers, but not necessarily impactful performers yeah. or impactful stand-up comedians because their delivery is not... They don't have the thing of delivery. Yeah. And, and I think what Branford is really saying here is for musicians, that skill is the, is the seal of sound, of yeah. sound production. And your yeah. sound is that delivery. And it's interesting. Yeah. So, and he says, I think, specifically instrumental music. Right. So maybe that means that there is, when you're a vocalist and you have words, you're an instrumentalist and a vocalist at the same time, potentially, especially in the jazz world, right? Yeah. So that is kind of another thing. This is very specific to like, what is your sound when you're not relying on words as a saxophone player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, text can kind of do a lot of the work for you, right? So if if you're a vocalist and you're singing lyrics, uh, that can do some heavy lifting on the emotion. Right. But I think what he was saying there is what's so cool about instrumental music is even though there is no lyrics, you can still make something sound sad with an instrument, with yeah. a saxophone. You can still some, make make something sound joyous with a saxophone. You can make it sound frustrating with a saxophone. You yeah. Can, uh, you can transmit emotion um, yeah. to other people. That becomes the story that connects with that um, that those unique Absolutely. human emotions. And I love how he breaks it down and it can seem simplistic to some people uh, and maybe a little bit jarring, but I think it's just spot on where he's just saying, you know, something, you know, learn how to play something sad, learn how to play something happy, you know, like mm-hmm. took him 10 years, this kind of thing is like, that can seem simplistic. And it's like, well, no, great music has a myriad of emotions and everything. It's like, well, really, can you, can you represent as an instrumentalist improvising or, or otherwise these basic human emotions of course there's a myriad of different ones and ways to play them and you know we i, I know i got in a little trouble using the word mu- musical creation you bristled earlier today musical my, creation uh, not musical creation musical curation curation Sorry. well that's when you're picking notes for 
Well, no, no, no. Well, you're, you're picking notes, but how to play, like, what makes the same notes that Branford plays right. them different than somebody else playing the same notes? I think that's what he's talking about. The sound. Exactly. Like, like what, what? but what does that actually mean when people talk about, you've got to develop your, your own sound? I remember hearing this from great musicians when I was coming up, and I was like, yeah, 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 I just want to play like Wynton Kelly. I want to play like Herbie Hancock. The sound will come later. Because right. I couldn't, I didn't know what that meant. Right. You know, and plus, especially for the piano, I'm like, look, it's just a button. I'm pressing it. Right, right, right. I can come up with some hip voicings, maybe. Does that give me a sound? Yeah, well, that's a color palette for sure. But again, that's still just data. Those are just notes that you're playing, right? So the sound is how you play it. So if you took the same data, right? So the same... Data in, data out. Exactly. So the same six-note melody or whatever. Could you play that same six-note melody? Yeah. And the same tempo, even, you know? With different emotions based on how you play it, how you deliver it. Yeah. You know, I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. That's developing a sound. Yeah, yeah. It's how and you deliver the, the data. The data doesn't matter. Data is just data. It's always changing because we're always taking in new data. But how you play is a skill that it's not often talked about as far as like growth of like, I, it is talked about in the fact that especially with classical musicians, they don't have anything to do with data. Right. You know, like a classical pianist has nothing to do with the data that they're playing. You know what's interesting about this? I'm just, I just realized this, like, because I've been following um, Branford Marsalis for a long time. Um, and I mean, I actually met him when I was 15 years old. And he was very, very, like, generous and kind. He actually gave, he came back to St. Louis the next year with Sting and, like, um, gave me and my friends free tickets to see him up at the Muni oh, here nice. and, like, invited us backstage. Oh, and we were just these, like, little punk kids there, excited to, you know, meet Kenny Kirkland and stuff. But I was, but I'm just to say that beyond just, you know, and I played with him before, he's, I've had him come and play some of my music and just, uh, but I've been a big fan of Branford for a long time. Like, I love his playing. Like, he's one of my favorite saxophonists of this, of any generation. He's greatest, man. He's greatest. But it's like, I've heard him talk about like how hard it is to develop a sound for a long time. And I was always kind of like, it was always a little incongruent to me because I've always been able to identify his sound, and I've always felt like he had a very strong sense of sound Super from a very young age, actually. Agreed, actually. But and so I always thought he was kind of being a little bit disingenuous or something, but I think what it is is he has always had such a heightened awareness and right. understanding, such a nuanced understanding of what it takes to develop a sound that his like level and barometer was so much higher, the threshold for him, that he was like, oh, I don't really have a great sound, even though everybody else, and you know saxophonists geek out over him with just playing one note, Dan, that's Branford. That's Branford. You know, and like I mean, pianists can tell. We could tell. Yes. But yeah. I think level one of anything is awareness. It sounds like he's been aware of this for decades. Yeah. You know, and so even just having awareness is is a step above so a lot of people. So you're saying something that you care about actually will start to be manifested something if, you, that, if you care about it? You don't it. even have to care about it. You can just uh, be aware of aware it, of it. Yeah, or yeah. put your attention to it. Attention. And then yeah. that, that alone changes the game. But then if you're as smart and as dedicated as Branford is, and yeah. you spend years with your, you know, really high musical in- yeah. intellect, putting energy towards this, obviously you become Branford. Uh, Coming to think his- of it now, and this is what's great to have this perspective of a little bit longer, you know, been able to hear him since, you know, 1984, basically, on recordings and live, and even occasionally on the bandstand with him. Like, he's been playing the long game for a long time 100%. on sound, yeah. which is like... 
you know, that's maybe easier when you're 40 or 50 or 60 years old. But when you're like in your mid 20s so and you're like, it's going to take a long time to develop a sound. And even people around you are like, oh, no, you've got a great sound. Like, it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, thank you very much. You've <laughs> got it. Yeah. that It's so hard to see as a young musician for some reason yeah. because you feel like it's just all about the data. Yeah. And then it's not till you get older that you realize like, wait, I've got all this data. Yeah. What's going on? And that's like, why, why don't I sound like I want to sound, even though I have all this data? It's because you haven't worked on your sound. Right. You haven't worked on the delivery of the data. Right. That includes things like actually thinking about delivery, yes. like putting your attention to how you're playing things. It includes actually some nuts and bolts things, Peter, too, like you know technique things. You well, know, I was just going to say facility. that's yeah. I mean, all that stuff is almost like a prerequisite. Like a lot of this won't really. I mean, that can force you into getting that stuff together because once you're prioritizing sound, whatever deficiencies you're able to start to identify in your playing, if you care, you're going to have to go get that stuff back together. Not because oh, I want to be able to do this like somebody else. It's like I'm having trouble expressing my sound. What do I need to do to develop in my technique to better get to that? But it includes something too that. I bristled at before, but in this context is true, which is taste, which is musical taste, right? Which is artistic taste, but not in the, not in the way of like, I'm going to use this camera lens or I'm going to choose this chord voicing, but more in the way of like, what are the 12 different ways to play this one four note voicing? Like mm. it just, how are the different textures that I can get from, you know, dynamics to rolling to you know wh how, whatever like that's where the artist part comes in is like i have these four notes to work with how many different ways can i express it and what does each one of those evoke in yeah. me and my audience like what does it mean in the context of what happened before and after it what does it mean in the context of what happens is what's happening around me culturally right now in the zeitgeist that we're in yeah all that thing all that stuff is if is important, I think, as artists, as you get to a higher level, to put our attention to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll just, just put a button on this, um, and as kind of a corollary to our endless dribble, or dribble, about this Both, subject. Really. <laughs> I'm going to dribble <laughs> um, I would just, right I would direct everybody to Branford Marsalis and Ellis Marsalis' duo. Oh, that's a great record. On, yeah, and the specific track, Stella by Starlight, uh, because I think that's would, would be a very interesting, younger-ish... Certainly, much young. I, I couldn't tell you exactly how old Branford is uh, at that time, but but um, so ninety. I mean, I'm thinking six, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. something like that. Um, so certainly not forty years old, maybe thirty. I, well, it doesn't even really matter. It's just to say that, like, to kind of, I think, prove the point of like Branford's deep and nuanced understanding of what it takes to develop a sound, yeah. but also kind of what I'm putting forth in that he's a master of sound. Um, beyond just like an incredible, you know, sound of the saxophone, obviously. But check that rec check that track out. It's a very it's a brilliant record, but that's it's a very it's one of my favorite tracks on them. I mean the sound that they get together and I I think that it as as often does with this, it can kind of better sort of manifest what it is we're trying to add to the dialogue here. And then as pianists, you know, there are little things that you can do to actually work on this like right away. Just take a melody. Just take Stella by Starlight. And and like practice varying your things like articulation dynamics mm. and even like rhythmic mm -hmm. things like that it's the same melody what if i mess with all kinds of sounds some aren't going to work 
why am I doing it? You know, what am I... I'm thinking about the lyrics, obviously. dynamics, touch, uh, articulation, how much you slur your eighth notes. I mean, just doing a, a constant eighth note line and practicing how how connected are they, how disconnected are they, how, yep. how your accents, how heavy are your accents. Like, mm. these are little boring technical things, but you put it all together and ask, well, what does that feel like? Does that feel like joy or anger or disappointment? Like, how does that, how does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, till next time. You'll hear it.